circle of life indeed this podcast is not strictly about disney it's more of a personal story you'll see the disney connection along the way and some things that i'll talk about but i it's a story i wanted to share it's very personal to me and i felt like i wanted to talk about it so here's the uh, here's the thing my father passed away this week after a bout with alzheimer's he was diagnosed some years ago and struggled through it for that period of time and it robbed him of who he was and his sense of self. And it's a really horrible disease in that sense, where it just takes someone away from you. But you get to look at them going through it and struggling for some period of time until they ultimately die. There is no cure. There is no way out of it. It's just once you get the diagnosis, it's, it's, it's inevitable. And that's really sad to me. And um, I wanted to share a little story about my dad, a little information that I just thought was, it was meaningful to me. And um, I hope you'll take a minute and listen. So I picked the circle of life as sort of the basis for this because when I saw The Lion King when it first came out, I hadn't had kids yet. And um, the scene between Mufasa and Simba spoke to me. And we'll always be together, right? Simba, let me tell you something that my father told me. Look at the stars. The great kings of the past look down on us from those stars. Really? Yes. So whenever you feel alone, just remember 
that those kings will always be there to guide you. And so will I. As it does to many people, that's the thing about Disney movies, they have a good way of tugging at your heartstrings and making you feel a certain way, kind of manipulating your emotions, if you will. And uh, that one spoke to me. And the whole notion of circle of life just kind of stuck with me. And so when he died, it was one of the first things I thought of. Circle of life, wow. You know, it's a beginning and an end, and the next version comes on. And now that I have kids of my own, I kind of understand it a little differently. Someday, I'll go to the great beyond. I'll be one of the stars. And it'll, that's the way it'll work. That's, that's just the circle of life. So it kind of spoke to me in a way. Now, the interesting thing is, when I talked about uh, maybe five years or so ago, I talked about my grandparents, and um, that's my maternal grandparents, um, so not my father's parents. They were really passionate about Disney. My grandfather was a huge Disney fan. He just loved it and thought it was awesome. It was just one of those things where it was just so much fun. My father, on the other hand, was a little more pragmatic. It's not that he didn't like Disney. He liked it a lot, and he enjoyed going, and he enjoyed being in, being in it and being immersed in the world, but he thought about it a little differently. He used to challenge me to think about things in a way that's a little abstract. Look at, look at Disney World. What about it is interesting? How do they create that? What do they do? So early on when Disney was um, thinking, when we first went, you know, it was probably about seven or eight years old after we'd gone and we were home at some point and he was telling me, you know, I know you thought it was a wonderful place and, you know, all these things. But how do you think they made it? What do you think they did to create it? And we talked about that for a while. You're taking a wide, open, a wide open plot of land and you're building something on it, something of that scale. How do you do that? And so we did a little research and over the years we continued to research it. And it was interesting how they took these ideas that came from someone's head and they created you know, these, these working models, these dioramas, these 3D models where they could actually take you through different perspectives. And then they were able to create that and build drawings and plans that they were actually able to build. And they cleared the land and they built these things and it became something from someone's imagination that they were able to build. And he challenged me to think that way about everything. And I always found that interesting and I always appreciated what he was trying to do because he was trying to challenge critical thinking, right? Well, how do we get here? What do we do? And I always found that really, really amazing. And that's one of the things that I really liked about the way he presented things. So, he and I partnered on a few projects along the way. We did some different things. We, uh, you know, he had some, he, he was a, I'll say brilliant man. Um, and uh, I'll explain that in a moment. But he, he had me partnering with him on a couple of ideas he had. He always had ideas. He was always throwing things out there, creating things, doing something interesting. He'd go, oh, I think we can do that. And he built it. So it was kind of, it was always kind of neat when he would come up with something and we'd share in that idea. One of the last trips we took together, he and I, on a, we were working on a project together, and uh, we had to go up to Orlando for this, this project. We were meeting with someone, and uh, we went up there, and we were talking to people. And after it was over, we decided to, uh, to go to a movie. And so what better place to go to a movie than the dine-in theater there at uh, Downtown Disney? Uh, I think it was still Downtown Disney at the time. It was just changing names, maybe. But we went to the dine-in theater. We had a great time. It's one of those memorable road trips, the last one he and I ever took. And it was really kind of neat. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, and it's funny how Disney connected in there in some way. You know, and even when he, was, when he was sick, a couple of times we went, 
uh, and I took the kids and I took him, my mom, and we all went and we had a good time. You know, and it was just fun to be there and be experiencing these things. Because he still challenged your thinking, right? What makes this interesting? What do you, what do you think about this? Why? You know, what, what, how, how do you think they built this? How do you think they, you know, they constructed it? How do you think they, you know, what materials did they use to, to pour the concrete? You know, th- those kinds of things. Just challenge you to think about things. And I always found that to be really amazing uh, in the way that he would approach the world and make you think about the world a little differently. So I promised I would tell you why he's a brilliant man. And it's nice for me to say that. You know, he's my father. I can say that all I want. But he was. I can almost guarantee you that you're aware of three, four, five of his inventions. Things that he created that uh, you can attribute directly to him that are worth mentioning. And this is why this particular disease is so hard. Now the couple of inventions I'm gonna mention, you'll probably be familiar with. You see them in everyday life. The first one is when you take your finger and touch the screen on your phone or your, any device that you have, and you can uh, use your fingers to pinch and zoom, it's actually his. He invented that. He holds the patent on it with Apple computers. It's an amazing thing he came up with one day, and uh, it's actually, there's a, there's a story there. He was riding in an elevator, and he was watching the, the buttons change as he was going up and down the elevator, as the lights would light up on each of the floors. And he thought, that's, that's interesting. Why can't we have something that's a proximity detector? It detects when you're on a floor. Why can't we have a proximity detector that detects what your fingers are doing? And so he created it. And he worked with a team. You know, it was his idea, but it was his te- the teamwork that really paid off. And that's what was interesting about him. He never sought the glory, the money, the fame that goes along with these kinds of things. All he sought was creating something greater, something that people could use. That's who he was. And the humility he, ex- he expressed in his lifetime is just amazing to me because he shared that with the world. You use that every day. Don't think about it. It's just a cool invention. My father invented it. It's just remarkable what he was able to do with those kinds of things. He had others as well. Uh, When you get an Amber Alert about a missing child that comes to your phone, he invented that too. That he holds the patent on that. Which is, again, just remarkable. And so even the national service that now can send uh, alerts to people uh, on the national scale is based on that patent. So, you know, there's there's a certain infamy that goes with that. Right? It's something that he did. Uh, he helped design what keyboards should feel like. He designed the anti-alias displays that you use so that your eyes are comfortable when you're looking at screens, and so on, and so on, and so on. Again, working as a team, many of them were his ideas or his refined ideas, but you know, he worked together with other people to create them. And I just find that fascinating. So over the years, he kept creating and doing and building and thinking and trying new things. And I joined him on some partnerships on some things he was doing, and I found that to be a lot of fun. It was very rewarding in a way. I got to experience things with him. You know, rather than just being my father who, yeah, he was this guy who invented stuff, I got to take part in part of it. Look, I, I'm not the inventor he was. I don't have these great ideas. I have some, but I don't have them the same way that he did, where he could just jump on things. And, uh, you know the end of the day he holds something like 20 patents and there's still more in the mix that are being reviewed because it takes a long time to review them he's still got a lot of ideas that are out there a lot of things that never were patented that he invented that he threw into the industry and did things 
it's amazing the things that he was able to do. And I can only ha- hope to be half the person he was, honestly. So when I said, I want to be an engineer, he was thrilled, fascinated, delighted that I wanted to follow more or less in his footsteps. But it wasn't about the degree. It was about challenging myself to do better and do more. That's what it was really all about. Always kind of challenging myself to do more. So it was really amazing um, to watch him and his his creative process. And I always found that really amazing uh, when he thought about the things that he did and how how he constructed these things. So when I talk about Disney, at some point I said, hey, I want to I start creating apps. And he goes, that's a great idea. Why don't you do that? In many ways, he was my biggest cheerleader. And I uh, wanted to think about things that might be utilities. And he and I collaborated on a couple of projects where the app, we had ideas for apps that might have become something had we had a little more, uh, the technology maybe been a little more advanced or maybe I have a little more technical skill or uh, been able to use the device because the device... Now there's the medical piece on the device, on these Apple devices and these Samsung devices where you have these medical things that you can do. Before you didn't have them, so you had to kind of, you were limited in some of the things that he had in mind because some of the features that they offer, without getting into the detail there, it's just some of the things were limited a little bit. And now they've offered a lot more functionality in these devices and you can do more with them. But he enthusiastically encouraged me to go out and, and do something and partner with him and share something. And I always thought that was neat. And when we talked about ways that I could express myself and teach and grow and learn, you know, he always was, he was the consummate teacher. That was, he was always challenging people to do their best, teaching people something. And I think from the connection to Disney standpoint, when when you talk about Disney and his ability to do edutainment, he would educate and entertain at the same time. To a degree, that's what my dad did too. He would always challenge people to think. He would ask, you know, ask questions that seemingly were innocuous, but you'd realize that they had a deeper meaning because he was trying to challenge you to think a little bit, to think critically, to, to consider things, right? Not just to take it at face value. And, you know, when I finished school and I went and got my master's degree, the, the one thing I was really fascinated by, I was, I was interested in operations research because of the fact that you have to really kind of think to be able to complete a... Uh, to complete things. So if you're packing a backpack, how many things can you fit in there? If you're doing a um, delivery, let's say, we'll just say bread delivery, um, how many loaves of bread can you have and what, how, how long does it take and what's the most efficient route you can use? Those, those kinds of things. So I was always fascinated in that. I like the human factors part of it. How do you design things so that people can use them? And uh, I was always interested in uh, how do you design an experiment that makes sense, right? How do you test something? How do you know? The general nature of it is to think about the uh, scientific method when you start thinking about how can I create a, uh, something where I can test what I'm seeing? How do I know that that's right, whatever it is? And then how can I refine that test? So I go out there and I do that. And there's, there's some experimental design things and some statistical things you can do to really dig deeper into that. You know, and take that scientific method, that general concept that I can take an idea, something that I think, and I can test whether it's right or not. And I can provide some rigor around that to see if with a degree of probability, of um, a likelihood that it would happen, I can, actually, I can actually see if it's true or not. And then I can refine my thinking and improve on it. When I went and got my master's and did that, most of the time I sat there and thought about my dad and kind of how he influenced me in that sense. How did I get here? Because he helped me influence me. 
So it was amazing to me, you know, and when I wanted to start a, um, a podcast, I, as I've said before, I started off in a different space. I wanted to get on the internet, so I talked about sports. I talked about the Miami Dolphins football team. Great. You know, they were, they were fun to talk about. And he was my biggest, uh, my biggest supporter. When I started doing the reporting, he would actually challenge me to think about why I'd say some of the things. He liked the humor in what I was saying, but he challenged me to think about some of the things I was saying. Then later, when I became an early podcast adopter, when I started my own podcast about the team, um, there weren't many podcasts out there, and there certainly were none about the, the football team. So I created something new, something unique, and he, he thought that was really cool, that I was doing something very interesting, and he actually kind of helped me behind the scenes partner up with some of the things I was doing. Um, and he wound up a couple of times being sort of my board op. Um, he would sit there and he would, uh, he would take care of um, getting the guests on for me so I could just handle the, the podcast part of it. I know it's kind of trivial and silly, but it was really fun for me because we were partners in it in a way. And then later when I decided I was going to talk about Disney, he was enthusiastic about that too. That's pretty neat. What are you going to talk about? And that's when I started thinking about what I wanted to talk about. You know, I wanted to talk about the history, some of the things in the building of the, of the place. And why did I pick that? Because that was the relationship we had. Those were the things we talked about. All those things that made the whole uh, talking about Disney kind of interesting. So in a way, I started this because of, not because of him, but I, I focused it because of him. And I don't want to lose that, especially now. You know, before he died, I was kind of like, all right, I'm not, I don't want to use the word ambivalent, but I wasn't as enthusiastic for a while. You know, with all that's going on in the world and whatever. You know, you've heard that in my other podcasts. I'm not going to get into it here. But as I thought about that, as I've been thinking about that, it just it doesn't seem right to stop. Because, But I want to focus differently. Look, his big thing is he always wanted to educate, enlighten, entertain, help people to understand things around them, right? Teach people. Give them something to, to work with. You know, challenge them to think a little more. And so... You might, my wisdom to all of you, anybody listening to this, is that you should do the same. Share your knowledge. Share what you know. Look, it's fine to be about the money, but at the end of the day, we all die. That's, that's just the nature of it. So be the best person you can be. Be the best you you can possibly be. Live your life to the fullest. Enjoy yourself. If money's important, money's important. If family's important, family's important. But do the things that make you happy. See, there's the, there's the thing. My dad always said to me, make sure that you're happy. Make sure that you're the best version of you you can be. And never stop improving yourself. Never stop trying to make yourself a better person. Do whatever you can to enrich, enlighten, learn. Keep reading, keep studying. So in a way, I graduated from college. I was like, okay, great, I'm done with college. I, uh, and then I went back and got my master's because I felt like I was missing something. I, didn't, I, I needed something else. Went back and got my master's. Finished my master's and went, hmm, yeah, okay, that's nice. Now what am I going to do? I went to work doing some different things. That's when I worked at Disney right as I finished my master's program. And then, uh, you know, I realized that while I loved Disney, it wasn't, and it made me happy, don't get me wrong, it wasn't what I wanted to do long term. I had this sort of idea in the back of my head, and I, I think I remember batting it around with him. I said, you know, one of the things I noticed is that Disney likes to hire people with Disney experience, but with real-world experience, too. So maybe it's time to leave, 
go off and do something really amazing, and then maybe come back. Of course, I never went back, but the concept was right. You know, and he and I talked about that a little bit. You know, that it was time to think about doing other things. So, you know, I left and I went on and I was doing other things in life. And he kept, you know, he kept trying to challenge me to do more, right? What else could you do? What other things can you do? And I went to, for, to work for a company and I've been at this company for a long time. And I remember being there for five or six years and I'd already been out of graduate school for seven or eight at that point. And I remember talk, giving this talk about engineering to a, gr- a group of engineers. There was an engineering conference in town and I was lucky enough to speak to a group of engineers. And I remember talking to this, this, uh, giving this talk about what it was life, what life was like at the company and what engineers do there and so forth. And I remember talking to this guy afterwards. He goes, you, you made an impression on me. Thank you for taking the time to do that. I was like, okay, yeah, cool. He goes, so do you have a professional engineer's license? No, I never really thought about getting it. You know, I'm an industrial engineer. Typically, industrial engineers don't get their PE license. It's just the way it works. You know, you don't work in the public trust. The professional engineers really are about the public trust, so electrical, mechanical, people who do things that build buildings. Civil. Those kinds of people get, um, get their, uh, their professional engineer's license. But he challenged me on it. And he asked me, you know, why, why don't you have it? Why, why are you saying that? You know, you should, you should think about getting one. And that stuck with me. That resonated with me. And a week or two later, maybe a month later, I was talking to my dad. I said, I was thinking about maybe getting my PE. He goes, that's great. I think you should do that. There was no question about it. There was no, he didn't really argue with me. He didn't try to encourage me. In, in the sense of, you know, well, here's why you should do it. He didn't try to discourage me in any way. He didn't say anything about the fact that, you know, typically industrial engineers don't do it. He'd had his PE license for 25 or 30 years at that point. And he's like, you should get one too. It's just one of those things. It's a nice professional certification to have to show that you've mastered your field. Cool. So I worked hard to try and get my PE license. Does it serve me any purpose? Would it serve me any purpose? No, not in my career. But it shows a mastery of things. And the thing that occurred to me was I could show my kids that perseverance always pays off. And you should never stop educating yourselves. Right? Following my dad's footsteps. So I studied. And I went after it. And I took the exam. And it was brutal. It's an eight-hour exam. You know, like a lot of professional exams. It's one of these long exams you have to take. And you sit in a room and you just take the exam. And they're asking you engineering-related questions. I was like, oh, man, that was a grind. I can't believe I did that. Wow, that was, that was cool. You wait your time, whatever it was, eight weeks or ten weeks or something, and you get the results in the mail. And they don't give you really a grade. It's just a pass-fail. And I was hesitant to open it up. I called him, and I said, all right, I'm going to open it now because he didn't live in town at the time. And I opened it up, and I failed. And wow, I couldn't believe I failed. You know... You taught me to always do your best, right? And here I failed this silly exam. <laughs> it, was, it was oddly devastating. I felt like I'd let him down. Though, of course, he didn't feel that way. He's like, well, you know, maybe it's okay that you fail. Maybe you just need to change your study habits or do something different. You know, maybe you just need to change something about it. And so I decided to take it again. And I decided that 
I had to rethink how I was doing it. So I changed everything about my study habits, changed everything about what I was doing. And I had a professor in college who had given me some good advice at one point about how to kind of rethink what you're doing, especially when in the face of adversity, right? You fail at something, give it another go, but change the way you do it. So, you know, sort of that, coupled with my dad talking about things, encouraged me to just change everything, study again, do it again. So I worked hard. I studied hard. I, I just did it, right? I went in there and then I went and took the exam and I was in a different place when I took the exam. I felt different about it. I felt like all the questions were natural. They were all there. And so at the end of the day, I wound up passing. And I've kept my certification up ever since. I have a professional engineer's license. Like I said, I don't really use it for anything, but it's important to me because it showed that perseverance. And I was so proud. When I called my dad and told him, hey, I passed this exam. <laughs> He's like, that's great. He was very excited for me. You know, it just made it, it made things a little more interesting. We had one more thing that we could do. And they gave us another avenue because um, part of keeping up your exam is you have to take so many classes and you have to do some other things. You have to attend, uh, at the time you had to attend some of the um, board meetings and so forth for the, for the society. Uh, and uh, so we, we'd go and we'd do that together. So it was another fun thing we would do. It was like, you know, these adventures we'd go on to go do these things and have a little fun. It was kind of neat in a way. It was, it was special to me. And that connection only came because I listened to him and persevered. You know, it's amazing to me that people that he knew and the, you know, the, the things that he knew, you know, in life as he was working um, over his life, he met some very interesting people. And he introduced me to most of them. You know, these people who had great thoughts, you know, who were really intelligent, smart people, who really had something on the ball and could figure something out about life. You know, they were really interesting people and it was fun to meet them. And it, was, it kind of enlightened me in some way that the world isn't always about, you know, what you, what you see in front of you, what you see on TV, what, you know, whatever. There's, there's a deeper purpose there. There's more people there. After he died, we started, you know, posting things online, reaching, reaching out to people that, you know, he had known in life. And um, it was amazing to me how well some people remembered him. Some people who had never met him knew who he was because he had a certain sort of legend, especially he had um, taught it, he had uh, volunteered at my children's grade school years ago and uh, wound up being the county's um, volunteer of the year. And it was an amazing thing because he just, he was always at the school and he was always giving of himself and he was telling people how to, you know, how to think and giving people ideas on uh, what was going on in the world and you know, how, to, how to consider that and you know, rationalize all these thoughts. And kids who didn't even hear him talk knew about him and remembered him many years later. My kids are in college now. And so they, they remember, you know, their friends, their colleagues remembered my dad coming in and talking to them. There were other people I reached out to who I hadn't talked to in a long time, friends of his, we're like, oh my goodness, you know, I can't believe that. You know, just that moment when you realize just how deep it, his relationships were and the people that knew him because of everything he did. I'm amazed. I, you know, I'm dumbfounded in a way because in a way he was always just my dad. But I'm so glad that I took the time to really think about something and challenge myself and be more than just my dad and understand who he was because he challenged me to be a better person. 
as I look at all the things he did in his life and all the inventions he has and all the things that he came up with. He lectured extensively on topics. He wrote papers. He did all kinds of things. He was big into his field. He loved what he did. And that's the thing. You know, he it, it challenged me to think, love what you do. And that's something that I think most of us take for granted. Most of us don't love what we do. He loved everything he did. He always jumped at every chance he got, everything he could do, because he knew he could, do, he could be a better person. And that was fascinating to me. So there you go. So my father, you know, one of the most amazing people I've ever known, who challenged me to think critically, who, you know, we, we talked about Disney, we talked about other things. It was just an amazing thing. It's, like I said, the Disney connection isn't so deep, but it's personal to me. And I wanted to share that with you. I'm going to put a link in my show notes to uh, my own um, uh, obituary about him. Um, so you can see some of the things he did, the patents he had and so forth. Um, you know, and just, if you're interested, you know, you can just, yeah, just check it out. Uh, he had some really amazing ideas. He's still, you know, to the end, he's just an amazing guy. I know he inspired me, my brother, my kids, his kids. We all, you know, grow into something interesting. We're all scientists in a way because he challenged us to think that way. So don't ever be afraid to question things. Don't ever be afraid to challenge yourself. Don't ever stop learning. I think all of those are things that he would want me to say. And I would encourage you to give back in some way, to, to tell people something interesting, right? To share your stories and your experiences with other people. And as you go through things in life and you decide what you want to do, think about all the things that you can do and how you can contribute to a better world and do those things. So that's it. I just wanted to share a little bit of a story about my father, some of the things he did, who he was, because I thought it was interesting and worthwhile. And I think my tagline that I've used in my podcast since the very beginning, while it came from Disney, I think the reason I picked it was because it inspired me in a way, in a way that I could have heard my father saying the same thing. If you can dream it, you could do it. Maybe not those words exactly, but certainly the sentiment of it. Grab your dreams, hold on to them. Something like that. It's amazing. And that's it. I'm out.